0: Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of The Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. If you enjoy our podcast, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode and help keep this show at the top of the charts so it can be found by more agency owners like you. And now for the show. Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about strategic partnerships with Dave Plunkett. Dave is a music and football loving dad of three from the southwest of England, passionate about enjoying life, connecting with each other, and the things that we love. During his time running business membership organizations, Dave developed hundreds of partnerships with small businesses and global brands alike. Then in 2020, fed up with running his benefit business, he set up Collaboration Junkie, His dance framework for strategic partnership helps service businesses take simple referrals to the next level. He spends his time supporting awesome business owners with the skills and systems to make the most of the oldest and most successful form of marketing word of mouth. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dave.
1: Thanks for having me, Robert. It's an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: So let's talk about strategic partnerships in kind of like a broad sense to start. Like what exactly would that look like and who would, and not necessarily I, but for the listener, who would they want to be partnering with and like, who would they want to avoid?
1: Yeah. Okay. And I, and you say partnership to 10 different people and you're going to get different responses for, for me, yeah. right? And so it is a, I remember when I very first started out on this journey, I put it in as a LinkedIn question. Literally what 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 comes to mind when you say partnerships and got so many different responses from legal definitions to... I think the very first put thing was someone who'd just broken up with their wife. So it wasn't, wasn't the exact way I wanted that post to start. But in my, <laughs> in my definition, strategic partners are people where there is an absolute alliance. There is a synergy and a congruence between your brand and theirs. Now, a lot of the work I do is around strategic referral partners. So in that instance, it's people where they have a a real strong vested interest in referring your ideal client to you at an ideal time. But I've also worked with brands where actually it's the other way around. They're looking to pass business to someone else because they want their client to be serviced. And so the strategic piece, I believe is really where there is, you and your partners are enhancing what each other does. Mm. And so that's, it's not just introducing someone for the sake of introducing because you've got roughly the same audience and they're on a list. That's more affiliate marketing, I would suggest, yep. which absolutely has its place. I'm not in any way putting that down, but your strategic partners are where your services are really well aligned and that you're enhancing what each other does and and ultimately enhancing the client experience and, and end-to-end, an end-to-end journey. For it to really work though, I mean, that's the starting point. For it to really work though, it's about where there's a shared goal as well. Mm and that you're all looking to ultimately deliver the same outcome for the same person and you can all help them on that journey. And when a partnership chain, if you like, is at its peak, it means that when the, the recipient of that, when that user first starts out on their journey of what they want to achieve, very rarely is it one person's product or service. They're just a piece in this jigsaw that's the ultimate prize that the client wants. And my vision of a world where partnerships are working well is that that journey from start to finish for a customer is absolutely as smooth and perfect as it can be because they're working with congruent businesses all the way along, the, the way along that road. And I think that comes down to values. Mm. We can all go and find people that do the next stage on from us or the next stage before. But if you really want to form lasting partnerships that, that, that deliver value to someone then we need to look at what our values are and what the values of our partners are as well, I think.
0: Mm. And that gets so that we we're well aligned, right? So one of the things yeah. that you said that I thought was, was interesting that you're discussing, right, is the, the the strategic component of it. And it's thinking about how that potential network partner would either be working with your client immediately before or immediately afterwards or in parallel. Do you typically yeah. see one that works better in that, that instance? And obviously, I think that the values component is really important. We'll talk about that as well.
1: It, it depends what you're looking for. So I mentioned a lot of the stuff I do, typically is around referral partnerships and people generating leads into their business. In that instance, your ideal partners are typically people whose product or service comes directly, directly before yours. Because if it comes after yours, then it's too early. Eh? It's too early. Or you're, you're in the wrong place in that chain. So you want to be having people that are having congruent conversations about you at the right level of authority. And so typically if it's referrals you're looking for, then it's whose product or service comes right before mine, or yeah, there's that overlap, right? So in marketing world, there's all sorts of this stuff. So I've done work with telemarketing, really, really, really strong telemarketing agency. But what they did was they focused on inbound lead generators, people who were doing pay-per-click and things like that, because... For the pay-per-click people, they're generating inbound inquiries for their for their clients. But mm-hmm. ultimately, they're, they're not judged on how many leads they produce. Ultimately, they're going to get judged on whether they convert. And yep. so for them, referring in a bunch of people who could actually take those leads through and make sure they're managed in a really strong way enhances their product or service. It means sure. the leads are more likely to be converted. The client ultimately buys more of their services. And it's that kind of that's that flow through symbiosis. that you're that you're looking for. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. One of the things that came to mind while we were talking as well, then I mean in the in the instance of the example that you just gave where you're kind of working in tandem with each other, you have someone generating leads and then someone making sure that those leads are validated and ultimately then buying, they work in a symbiotic relationship. But then there's also instances that we were alluding to as well is that you have someone that is working with your ideal client immediately before you. There isn't like a mutual reciprocity in that relationship, right? So in that instance, would it be a paid partnership where you're paying for every lead or you're paying for every close? Like how how exactly would you typically suggest that works?
1: So for me, I'm a big fan of commercial arrangements. Okay. So even when there is that symbiotic relationship, I would still have the commercial piece in place. It's very rarely the main reason why someone would refer you, but if you want to elevate a friendly handshake relationship to a proper strategic partner, nothing does that like putting this the, the, the foundations in place. So, yeah. and it's not the it's as I said, it's not the main reason, but it just sits there and it ticks the logic box. We've got the kind of the ninety percent emotional decision. That's yeah. that. Well, I'm going to refer these people in because ultimately it's better for me. But yeah. there's still that logic bit that's the ten percent. It also protects that relationship from fluctuations of individuals within a business, potentially someone coming or going, it, it it elevates. So I'm a big fan of commercial arrangements for strategic partnerships. Some industries can't do it. You might be someone where they're not allowed to take commissions for whatever reason, yep. but you can still put a commercial arrangement in place. It can be a, a, a charity donation. It can be, you can work things in all sorts of ways to just make sure there's something there that goes, this isn't a friendly handshake. Not that there's anything wrong with friendly handshake arrangements, but this is one that we want to take to the next level, right? And so I'm a yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of those. Lots of people I see enter into cross-referral relationships, which mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of. Look, if we can cross-refer, we should do it. But it's very rare that the ideal person to pass you leads, you're the ideal person to pass them leads at this at the same quantity. So typically yep. one person is doing more, doing more of the than work the than the other, and resentment sure. can build, and and they can end they can end nastily at times because one person resents the other person, and that builds up. So, so for me, it's it's it, yeah, it's about having that really clear partner value proposition around the the core reason because there's that congruence of service, and underlaying that with some with some a, a commercial piece.
0: Awesome. The one of the things you mentioned right is like relationships could then have some resentment in it, and I imagine that that causes that relationship to kind of fizzle out, right? And not really reach the level of which either partner would want it to be, uh, or even potentially end in, in an explosion of, of sorts. What would you say that is the thing that people should be looking out for and why does that happen and what can they do to avoid those types of things?
1: You know what? I think first and foremost it comes back to that values thing. If a partnership isn't gonna work, then quite often it will be because there isn't there is a there's just a mix 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 match in values. And even if it's not really at value, it's how you just, the behavior you display to your clients and your customers, there's a mismatch there, then the partnership isn't going to work. But the really, but if you've got that bit right, then for me, and this, this is the true with client work as well, to be fair, Robert, I think it's expectation setting. It can be very easy when you're, you've got a potential new partner and you're chatting about all the possibilities, right? World domination awaits. You're going to do all these great things. <laughs> Actually bringing it right down and going, are we really on the same page here? And documenting that and reviewing that, I think is the is a big thing because we want to be looking at long-term expectations. What's our objectives here? Because even if you're just 5% out in your viewpoints, that seems like nothing inception. And so it gets glossed over, but over time, that 5%, if you imagine it on a graph, gets bigger and bigger and bigger and wider apart, if you imagine it on an axis. Sure. And suddenly yeah. there's this, this disparate piece, but also it's looking at the ongoing expectations. Who's doing what? Who's doing what and who's doing when? What does success like is a, is a question that I love. What does, what does wild success look like is even better, but for all parties, what does a successful partnership actually look like? Mm. And getting that documented, and then actually reviewing it at consistent points along the journey allows, change. yeah, having it reviewed means that people, that you, it makes it easier to have difficult conversations because it's there and it's on paper, right? But they're just checking back in on it and seeing how we're doing and make sure everyone's on the same page. People don't think often enough to do that. We think mm-hmm. that uh, our business has changed, right? So our partner's business has changed. So let's make sure we're, let's make sure we're checking in and that success still looks the same for a... For all of us. And so mm. yeah, having those potentially more difficult conversations, but they shouldn't be difficult at the start. And then putting the time into properly review them on a semi-regular basis is one of the key, key things that people that I see people not doing and makes the biggest difference um mm. if they do. Yeah. Because
0: it's also the the component too that we forget the types of things that we ultimately agree to, right? And so if we're able to remind ourselves as well as the partners as to what exactly we were supposed to be going towards or the direction we are headed to make sure that we end up actually at the end destination, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really important here too, right, is that if we're in a strategic partnership, we are sending our clients to someone as well. And one of the big pieces, right, is that our reputation is on the line. Let's say that that person doesn't end up delivering to the tune that we were expecting or desiring or wanting. How do we ensure that either the partner that we are initially getting in touch with is going to deliver and delivers on an ongoing basis? I mean, we all know that business has its ebbs and flows and quality of delivery. So how do we ensure that there's consistency for our clients and the relationships that we've built?
1: Yeah, and uh, so I think this goes both ways. It's about, as, as business owners, we need, to rem- we need to remember this when people pass us leads. And, re- and this comes from whether it's a casual referral or a strategic partner. Every time someone gives you a lead they're not just giving you a lead they're giving you a little bit of their reputation for you and then they're entrusting with it and we should treat that with the respect that it deserves and we deserve for the people that we pass leads to to equally treat our reputation with that same level of trust and respect in terms of ensuring that level of service delivery it comes back to being careful with who we work with in the first instance and making sure we're working with the right with the right people do they have social proof can we get case studies and testimonies? Have we been referred into to them? That's a great way to find partners. And then ongoing, it's about having the systems in place. It's about having reporting and tracking in place and regular lines of communication, but ultimately partnerships are founded on trust. So there's only so much, there's only so much management of a partner that we can do once we've handed that lead across. We have to believe that we've done the right work in the first instance, and we have to trust that they're gonna deliver trust that they're going to deliver a level of service that we're happy with but more importantly make sure that we've got a strong enough relationship that if something is going wrong that we hear it from the partner not from the not from the client 100% and yeah and it's very easy to keep to let people know about when things are going well it's much more important to let someone let a referrer know when something isn't going right yeah it's the difficult conversations Robert right we we don't want to have them but they're the most important ones to have so so yeah
0: it you as you astutely said right it's all based on trust and if you don't have that trust it it just completely the entire relationship devolves right and that's any type of relationship yeah not just a strategic partner so let's talk about two things how would let's say that i am and not let's answer it for agencies but let's say that i'm looking for New strategic partners that I do not currently have in my network right now, and I need to be how to find them, and then why ultimately would someone want to partner with me as an agency owner?
1: Yeah, okay. so I think as a, as an agency owner, the the first key is coming up with your partner value proposition. So it is target is looking at where are there people that that i that that follow in on that on that chain of service that we spoke about, right? Mm-hmm. And really making sure that we get, I call it a partner value proposition that, that, that it's strong. Because what a lot of people will do when they're looking and they're making partner outreaches, they'll spend all their time focusing on the value they deliver to a client. They'll go, mm-hmm. oh, we should talk because I do this, this, and this for your clients and I can do it for them. And even if it's well-intentioned, that's still saying that essentially you want to try and sell to their list, right? Mm-hmm. So it's taking that, it has to start with a value to the client because that's what the ultimate goal is. But it's taking that and going, and why is that important to the why is that important to the partner? So going back to that example of inbound leads and telemarketing, the client value is was that the telemarketing can convert the leads better, et cetera, et cetera. The the SEO but the, the value to the partner, to the to the SEO provider or the pay per click, was actually ensuring that the lead that we can make sure that the leads that you generate for your clients get converted and that you get a happy customer and it's that flip of it's not you you focus on the value to the partner, not the value to the to the client whichever way whichever way round you're you're looking at your partnership and it's a really subtle difference, but it makes a huge, huge difference in terms of approach because it's one that most people don't don't think to do. You've seen more of it now, which is great to see, but it's but making sure you've got that strong in the first instance and also not being not being scared so my background in the kind of imposter syndrome kicking in or as I like to call it high achievers doubts um, mm-hmm. a much nicer reframe of imposter syndrome high achievers <laughs> doubt it shows that we're pushing ourselves a wonderful co- I would love to say that I came up with that but I didn't it was a wonderful copywriter that I know particularly if we're looking at partnering up a lot of my experience I was by far a smaller organization. I ran a benefit business and we worked with global brands like Regis and Volvo and Yale and insurance providers and all sorts of their access to the SME markets. And I was always really uncertain around what the value that how how high regard we was we were we were held in. But if you are looking at partnering with bigger brands, there will be a reason why they will want to work with you. And typically it's because you can do something they can't. And it'll be around agility or creativity. Or access to a particular market or speed of delivery, there are outside of the, the 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 partner value prop piece, yeah, where it is those larger organizations, there's unique things that only you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. And and when you can tap into that and have the confidence and belief in that, then really the, the world's your oyster in terms of in, t- in terms of partners within 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 realistic bounds, of course. Sure. And so that, having that really strong is important. But then in terms of going out and getting them, I think it's easier than, so I have a framework for partnerships, which is dance. Okay. And the D, the D is discovery, which is that partner value proposition piece. The bit in the middle are all the, how we make it work, how we engage it, how we communicate. And the bit right at the mm-hmm. end is engagement. How do you go out and get partners? Mm-hmm. It's actually the easiest bit, but I think it's the bit people most struggle with. And mm-hmm. it's because if you get all the other bits right, then for most of us- Be more targeted. Yeah, we can be more targeted, but also our initial partners, typically you don't want your first, your first couple of partners to be the partners that are really going to take your business to the next level, right? You want friendly partners who are going to give you feedback, you're going to be able to test and measure, you're going to be able to get used to this way of working, right? And you, not only that, you're going to get social proof and case study that makes it easier to go cold. So. Mm-hmm people do business with, people do business and refer to people they know, like, and trust. And yep. so when you're first getting your new partners, you go for where the trust is highest. And so that's either people that are already in your network and a, nice, a really nice approach here is to ask them for help or feedback. Look, Robert, I'm just starting a partner program up. You're right within my demographic. I'd really like your feedback on it. See if I'm hitting the mark here. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice, gentle approach to having a conversation. You'll get great feedback. And even if you don't want to make them a partner, you can ask them for referrals to other partners. And they, and that's that next level of trust. Use your net, most Most of us within our network or our once removed network will have more than enough contacts to start a partner program. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, you build social proof and then you go, as you go colder, the trust comes from the social proof rather than the direct referrals. And so actually going and getting partners, it's easier than most people would imagine. The tricky part is, what you do with them when you've got them that's that's yeah. that's the harder part but that's the bit yeah. where that most people kind of if you hear people say oh, i've had partnerships and it's not worked and it's typically because they've not done the hard they've not done the hard work once they've shaken hands so
0: yes they just let it die on the vine right they get, yes. they, they yeah. get distracted yeah, with everything else so you've given one example of a strategic partner and like in in the agency space what i would love to hear is an, another example right i mean Let's say that a listener right now is thinking, oh, strategic partnerships, it sounds interesting, but I don't understand how I would apply it to myself. So let's say that I'm a branding agency or a design agency. What kind of partner should I be looking for? Who should I be reaching out to? And what would an example partnership look like for me?
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm going to use an example, literally that you just showed, used with a call that I had this morning. So I actually had a call with a personal brand agency this morning and one of their partner channels is going to be wider brand agencies because for the wider brand agency, they're working on the business brand, but typically a key component of that could be, not typically, but could be the founder raising their own personal mm. brand alongside that. Now, yep. that's, that's a much more targeted specific piece of, piece of work. And so it's, it's looking at the individual components and it's where are there bits that I could touch on, but where are the bits where their specialist skills, where someone else, could do this better for me and actually enhance the overall impact. So myself, I I partner with marketing strategists really well because they typically don't have the depth of knowledge I, that I do around this piece. And I'm not stepping on their toes at all. I purely do partnerships, referrals, word of, word of mouth. And so for, mm-hmm. so for them, they're able to bring someone in that, that creates this much broader, complete solution for the client, which generates the results they want. And mm. so it's about, a lot of it is about being a bit, about being brave, about being able to trust people with your clients. And I think it's mm. going, I deliver a strong enough service and I'm gonna be a good enough judge of character that if there's someone who knows more about a particular thing than me, I'm not gonna be afraid to, to bring them in if it's gonna enhance that overall piece. It's like the website, the, the website person that's actually a really good techie website builder, but they're not very good with the words and they bring the copywriter in. Cause essentially, the client wants a website that looks nice and reads right and it's the, it's, the, it's yep. there's some the obvious examples there it's the plumber referring an electrician right in the in the back out in the trade space it's the stuff that's been going on since the dawn of time the the, the word of mouth but uh, it's just doing it in a it's just doing it in a more intentional way in a more formal way these days mm. um, instead of leaving <laughs> it to chance putting some structure in place so it happens on a consistent basis
0: I think you hit something that's very sort of true to this industry quite a lot, where people are afraid to bring the fox into the hen house sort of idea, if you will, right? And are they going to take my clients away? And I want you to listen to what Dave said there is actually recognize what you're really good at and put that ego aside and recognize that and actually work with people that are going to help elevate you and elevate the client experience and ultimately have everyone win better together. Absolutely phenomenal stuff here, Dave. I mean, I think that strategic partnerships is a phenomenal way to grow. I mean, largely one of the things I say to clients is that when you are looking to grow or change who it is that you're working with, maybe working with clients in a bigger scale or finding more people, you need to put yourself in different pools, different networks in order to be able to do so. And that is exactly what we are talking about here is expanding that network, tapping other networks to allow for yourself to be able to grow and largely the vast majority of the listeners here today are word-of-mouth, growth-oriented agencies. So strategic partnerships is a phenomenal way to do that. I believe, Dave, that you're offering a guide for these types of strategic partnerships. How can they find that? Where can they get it? And how can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, awesome. So what I'll do is I'll drop you a link over, Robert, which will be to a landing page and people there. I'll put a guide to my dance framework for partnerships so people can get an overview of that. Um, I do a load of video content, so I'll put some links to that on there as well. People will be able to book a call with me. I linked, I'd put a load of content out on LinkedIn as well, so I'll put a link to that on there. I'll send that I'll send that link over so people can access that way. And they can there's not many Dave Plunkett's on on LinkedIn. Dave Plunkett Collaboration Junkie, yeah, feel free to connect me on there. But I'll get some yeah, I'll get some content over to you that you can that would love for people to to get value from. So
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dave, and listeners. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes.
1: Brilliant. Thanks for Thanks, listeners.
0: Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly, like, too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs so I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what am I going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do now of course this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things but at one episode per week It's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got I to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell, because if I don't sell, I don't, make our, I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000. Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5,000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the agency accelerator program or go to creativeagencysuccesscom forward slash apply. Thanks. And I'll see you inside the program.